I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, in this episode, we are going to discuss the challenges and the opportunities in physical therapy mergers and acquisitions post-COVID today with Jason Hebert, one of the investment bankers at Mahama Acquisitions. And you can check them out online at mahamainc.com. That's mihama, M-I-H-A-M-A-I-N-C.com for more. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Dave Kittle Show. Dave Kittle here, and I'm the owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy here in New York City. I'm the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently acquiring physical therapy practices in New York and New Jersey. And today, we're going to get into how we met Jason and the introduction that we got from another podcast guest. But before that, Jason, welcome on. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you for having me, Dave. Excellent. A special shout out to previous interviewee, Michael Gorman of iMove Physical Therapy Now. And he had uh, exited and sold St. Louis Physical Therapy several years ago, seven locations. And the investment banker and advisor that was uh, helping Mike Gorman, the physical therapy practice owner, exit that practice was none other than Jason Hebert, who was on the show today. So Jason, let's get into today's topic. We're going to be talking about the challenges and opportunities that you and I are seeing right now in the mergers and acquisitions space post-COVID. So right off the bat, what uh, initial uh, takeaways do you have in regards to the changes, the opportunities, the pros and cons of any physical therapy practice owner that's listening right now? And they might be thinking about the market and thinking about selling maybe in the next couple of months, maybe in the next couple of years. What would be maybe an initial starting point for that conversation? Sure. Well, I think physical therapy practices, uh, in terms of where we were in the M&A cycle, if we go back uh, pre-COVID, we were definitely on the upswing. So prices were increasing. Buyers were trying to consolidate and get critical mass in the in the marketplace. And there weren't a ton of sellers. So pricing was increasing. Deal structures were more favorable for sellers. And we, uh, you know, in our own space, we closed the transaction, I think it was March 5th or 4th of 2020. You know, yeah, we had heard about COVID and what was going on, but the deal closed. National buyer bought three clinics in Utah. A week later, it got worse and worse. And, you know, I told my team, look, I, I can't foresee us doing any transactions the rest of the year. So, you know, with the uncertainty in the economy, and where the markets are, I really I couldn't foresee uh, getting the transaction done. Fast forward to the end of 2020, we had a record year in 2020 in terms of deals done, enterprise value unleashed for sellers. So it was a pretty big surprise. And I'll tell you why I think that happened. But then in 2021, we had a record year from 2020. And this year, we've already surpassed 2021. So I think we are not on the downside of that MA cycle. But what happened during COVID? Well, Interest rates went to basically zero. Cash was cheap. Buyers had easy access to cash. They saw this as an opportunity to acquire. And they weren't buying on the cheap. So you you might think that people or buyers, and I'm talking about kind of the larger national buyers, would come in and say, look, you're really struggling. 
you know, we'll buy you for, for a song. And that's not the case. Multiples pricing went up during 2020. They continue to go up during 2021. There were a couple of new entrants on the buyer side in terms of uh, private equity buyers, which were driving up pricing when you were in a process. If you weren't just selling one-to-one, but you had multiple buyers in a process, then that drove up the pricing. Where are we today sitting here in 2022? We've already had a record year for us. It all sounds good, but I do see storm clouds on the horizon. If you ask me, what are the issues with physical therapy M&A? If, if you're a private practice owner, well, I think you got to look at the labor market as, as one. So we've got buyers who we've known for a long time, and some of them which we've represented, who have told us in certain geographies, they won't acquire. They simply cannot staff the clinics they already have. There's lots of demand. They've got waiting lists. They simply cannot staff them. There's not enough clinicians. So you got to look at the labor market. That's concerning. Negative pressure on reimbursement rates, concerning. And then interest rates are increasing. Interest rates are increasing, which is making it more expensive for buyers. And then lastly, I think you got to see where we are at the top end of the market. So where are the national buyers in terms of what's happening? Are national buyers flipping ownership? Absolutely. We've seen it pretty significantly in the last two years. Some of the national buyers have purchased some of the other national buyers. So, you know, without using names, people can figure it out. But there are national buyers who, you know, in in certain cases where we would have two in the past, but company A bought company B, we now only have one. So where there might have been continuous interest from two buyers, now we would only have one because they consolidated together. So, you know, those are the storm clouds on the horizon. When do I start to get worried, Dave, is, you know, these cycles, and I'm kind of a veteran of, of different industries before we got involved in physical therapy. I did banking, logistics, uh, oil field services. Those all went through these M&A cycles. They're booms and bucks. Everyone gets really excited. Everyone's trying to acquire. They're all trying to outbid each other. And then it plateaus, and then it starts the downside of the cycle. What causes the downside in the cycle? Well, some kind of external catastrophic issue. I thought it was going to be COVID in 2020. It was not. It might, you know, I can remember when 9-11 happened and what happened to the M&A markets at that time. I can remember 2007, the fall, trying to get a transaction done during the, the housing crisis. So it can be an external situation like that. It can also be a financial failure of one of the private equity groups. So if we have a failure by one of the national DT buyers who's backed by private equity, and for example, if there's a bankruptcy, then all the private equity groups will start looking at each other and saying, is this the investment we want to be in? Maybe we should be selling. Then they're selling on the top end of they're not buying clinics, they're trying to sell out of this business And then that slippery slope goes down the other side. We're not there. But all these cycles come to an end. They don't last forever. If I knew the date that the cycle was going to end, people sometimes ask me, well, when do you think the cycle is going to end? If I knew that, I'd be much wealthier than what I am. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I will tell you, it will happen. This cycle will not last forever. And so when people are looking at the challenges before COVID, during COVID, and post-COVID of selling, I prefer to tell people, look, 
the best time to sell your business is when the market is good. The market is good right now. It has been good for five, six, seven years, but I don't know when that's going to end. So let's riff on that. So in the, let's just say if that were to happen in the next one to two years where there's an issue with a private equity-backed organization that was previously buying clinics, and then all of a sudden, if they have a bankruptcy or some issue like that, and then one firm or one corporate that's backed by a firm has to start selling locations or basically a sell-off, then you said other PE-backed corporates or other PE-backed physical therapy big box chains or and strings of locations, they might also have to do the same thing, which I want to see through the lines here. I'm assuming that then for other owners down the stream in the next year or two or three, they could probably expect either less offers, less buyers in the market, lower multiples. Is that some fair assumptions? Yeah, that's all correct. And that's exactly what happens. It's no different than the stock market, right? When news gets scary and everyone starts selling, then there's the supply demand on owning those stocks or owning those PT clinics changes. And when the demand goes down and the supply goes up, pricing goes down. And that's exactly what happens. Right now, there's still a strong demand. Supply, I think supply has increased. We have more clinics in the marketplace today than we did in 2020 and maybe in 2021. I hear a lot of business owners talking to me about COVID was a grind. They got through it, but now they just lost, you know, let's a PT and I just lost another PT and I'm trying to hire and I spent 20,000 on recruiting and I still haven't been able to find a replacement and I've got referrals, but I can't fulfill them. You know, maybe it's time to sit down. No, okay. That all might be true, but I'm hearing it from more and more owners. So the supply has crept up. The demand is still there. That's good. But if that balance changes too much, then we could see the end of this cycle. What would be one potential way that a large corporate goes into bankruptcy? If they had raised too much money, maybe they had overexposed themselves by leveraging too much money and trying to either maybe expand too quickly is probably the biggest reason, right? Like if they're either doing acquisitions and opening up the Novo clinics at the same time. And then, like you said, there were other factors in the mix here. Like you said, right now, staffing is challenging for staff, mm-hmm. physical therapists, for practice owners. Reimbursement, sure. like you said, there's always pressure on reimbursement. And then if you're expanding too quickly and you're not having cash flow cover the debt service of those loans or any of the financing, would that be one of the... Is that pretty much the most obvious or, or potential it, it is step? It, you hit it right on the on the head there, Dave. Really, every private equity back buyer leverages every transaction. Everyone. Okay. There are buyers out there who are not leveraging the transactions, but they're not backed by private equity. Every private equity back buyer is leveraging the transaction. Maybe not that specific transaction, but they have, for example, uh, a revolver line at the bank that they're using for transactions overall. But those revolvers have covenants on them. They cannot break certain covenants. And let's say they have a staffing issue and then revenue starts to go down. We don't have to look too far. I mean, one of the very largest providers of physical therapy went public. And and there is a class action lawsuit against them because they didn't disclose 
the uh, labor market issues that they were having, which is a significant impact on their revenue. So that's exactly what happens. So they run into trouble with their covenants. And so they need to rectify their balance sheet. And to do that, they might start selling clinics or in the worst case scenario, they're foreclosed on uh, by the bank. And then you've got a real doozy of of an issue. Got it. So let's look at it as in the shoes of a practice owner that typically listens to this show. So they have anywhere from one location to 10 locations, anywhere in the continental US, typically. And when we're thinking about COVID and now kind of getting out of it or, you know, post-COVID, whatever we're calling it now, they went through a lot of challenges and stress and overwhelm. And but most of them got their their numbers back, their their staffing might have changed, might have shifted. But for the most part, a lot of the owners are pretty much back to where they were, you know, pre-COVID. Yeah. And right now could be maybe the best time for them to consider speaking with someone like you or any other broker or advisor. You're on the investment banking side. I want to get into that next as to differentiation that there. But for a practice owner that's listening that has one to 10 locations, we're already kind of touching on the subjects. But basically, like they went through all this challenge. They stabilized. They got through COVID. If they're still in business now, they got through it. But like you said, this will not go on forever. Like even though folks that are practice owners, they had a lot of stress and overwhelm and challenge getting through COVID. Like you said, a lot of transactions have still occurred. Multiples are still high. It's it's a really a great market for sellers. And there's a lot of buyers with extra money and all that. But like you said, it's not going to last forever. So not that you can give one-off advice or, or, or guidance to any particular owner, but someone that has one to 10 locations, how should they uh, look at the impending change that could happen in the future, even though they just went through a big change with COVID and they got through that, you know, how, how should they make sense of all of this? Well, I think that first of all, you have to realize as a seller, you're not selling the business tomorrow. What's the value of a physical therapy business? It's the, it's the referral sources, it's the employees, it's the relationship with the community. When you lock the doors at night, all of that goes home right? It's not in the clinic. There's no assets. So given that it's such a relationship-based business, you will not exit the business the day after you sell it. Because if you exit it as the owner, unless you're an absentee owner, if you're an absentee owner with a CEO that holds all the referral sources and whatnot, that's great. But if it's not that situation, you are key to keeping all that value together. You're the one who has the relationships with the employees, you're the mentor, you you have the relationship with the referral sources, that needs to be transitioned. So that's not going to happen overnight. There will be some financial ties, either through ownership or earnout or incentives to keep you there. Otherwise, if they buy you and you leave the next day, what they bought is considerably devalued. So you have to realize that the longer your runway to exit, the less risk there is for the buyer, the less risk for the buyer, the more they'll pay. So the way I like to tell people, I can't tell you what your best timing is personally, because I don't know your personal situation. But when people call me up and say, hey, I just got a call from my physician and uh, I've got bad news and I need to exit the business. Well, we can sell your practice, but just to be honest, it's going to be severely devalued because you're not going to be around very long. If you tell me, hey, I'm excited about the business, I love doing it, 
you know, I really, my average, my runway here is five years. So the risk for the buyers are quite a bit lower. Then we can get you a higher value. Now, the real issue is in terms of timing and where we are with the cycle and should buyers be selling right now is if you're really young and you can write out the next wave of the cycle, when people say, you know, yeah, I'll look at it in five years. Okay. So that really, you're telling me you really want to exit in 10 because the best, the best runway is five years. So now you're going five plus five is 10. That's good. But in five years, um, we might be at the downside of the cycle. So you might have to wait for the next up part of the cycle, which could be 10 years in itself. So now you're talking 10 plus the five exit is 15. So if you're young, you can hold. That's no problem. But you know, I hear a lot of baby boomers calling me and saying, that's not my runway, or I, I can't wait for the next cycle to come around. Then it is a good time to explore the market. And what I tell people is, and I think this is maybe part of the differentiation between an investment bank and a, and a broker. Look, we're not going to put out asking price on the business. I'm not going to charge you a valuation. That's not really how it works. What you need to do is put the business out there and find out what somebody will pay for. And that's the value of your business. Because when we run processes and we ask buyers to bid on clinics, you will typically see the highest bidder bid more than two times what the lowest bidder will bid. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And most of them are related to how well your business models with the buyer's business. So some people tell me, I'd like to scrounge for a little bit better net revenue per visit. If I could get you know, an extra 2 or $3, I'd be making that much more profit. So I'd be able to sell for that much more. Well, let's say that the ultimate buyer for that person's practice has a terrific reimbursement contract with the majority of, of that owner's clientele. If you raise your net revenue per visit by $2, you don't model as well into their business. Let's say you're at $100. Let's say the buyer's at 110 So the buyer's going to take that $10 of extra profit once they model it into their business, and they'll provide you with a pretty significant multiple because it's very valuable to them. If they're running in process and haven't been told what they have to pay, they have to pay the best because lots of buyers are, are bidding on it. They will bid very well. But if you've raised your net revenue per visit by that $2 to 102 to them, it's not quite as valuable. So yes, good for you. Your profit's better, but you're going to get less multiple because now they're modeling from 102 to 110 instead of from 100 to 110. So you can't exactly align your, your business with whoever you think is going to buy it because you don't know what their business is. And I think that, you know, I'm kind of going off on a side tangent here, but, but the reality is you test the market, you find out what the best bidder will provide you. And that is the true market value of your business. The only variable between buyers that you can more accurately forecast is what kind of deal structure you're going to get. Are you going to sell 100% and have a earnout or a financial incentive to stay around during the transition? Or are you going to sell, let's say, 60%, 70%, 80% and have a, a guaranteed payout in you know, three years, five years on your minority ownership, and that's how you exit in two steps. Those are the things that are predefined because buyers have, you know, definitive likes in terms of what deal structures they want to do. That we can predict. The actual price and valuation and all those things, we don't know. 
So as you start to think about, should I be selling? The real thing is, you know, what's your personal timeline in owning this business? Or are you having struggles in the business that you think a buyer could correct? For example, some buyers are good at recruiting staffing in certain geographies. And you might be in a geography where you're struggling, but if you if you align forces with a buyer, you could do that much better. Or for example, the real obvious one and the and the big one is is reimbursement rates. Some buyers have relationships with hospitals with significant net revenue per visits that you might not have. And in those cases, you might want to sell a majority, but not all of the practice because you would like to also profit from their net revenue per visit. And so those are the things we know definitively. You combine that with the struggles you might be having where you think a buyer could fix them with where you are personally in your life. And then you test the market. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or You can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.